How are we all doing this morning? It's good to have you out with us in the house of the Lord who's ready for the Word of God. I know I'm fired up today. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're in 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, while you're finding the first book of Peter, uh, I just want to remind you that February is like my least favorite month. Uh, <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> um, it's the middle. If you can get through February, it's like you're coming to the end of the year. It makes me happy. So The only thing I like about February is like the Winter Olympics when they have them every four years. And the Super Bowl, because I celebrate the Super Bowl like you all celebrate Christmas. So speaking of the Super Bowl, uh, next Sunday, uh, the best dressed fan gets a gift card. So I have some people who know how to represent. So if you can show up in your finest Sunday swag, we will see if we can't get you a little something, something. It is up to my discretion. So Broncos fans get a little more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, you know what, Fabio, I've got a lot of booze, man. So you better, I'll remember that. February is like a reminder to me of things that matter. That's why we have Valentine's Day there, which is also one of my least favorite holidays. <laughs> but it is that time, you know, you think about relationships, man. Um, I, I think about things that matter. So speaking of that, I got a great verse here. First Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 8 and 9. It tells all of you, that's all y'all booing at me, to be of one mind, have compassion for one another. Love his brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Who wants to inherit a blessing? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the scriptures that bring life to people. And I pray, Lord, for acumen and wisdom in our relationships. I pray that we would grow together as the family of God, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, I, when you have children, they want to hear stories about your childhood. They were asking me, you know, what we used to do growing up playing. And I said, well, you know, my cousins who were older than me used to take my sister and I, stuff us in a sleeping bag, and kick us on down the stairs. <laughs> now, you think that's right? I got one of them sitting in the back row over there. He was guilty of that. He acts like he's not, but I remember. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, they tie us up, bind us together. And you know what it made me think of was not just like child protective services, but it made me think about the relationships around us that are like the knots of a net. And what those knots in a net do is they help bring in a harvest of fish. And I don't know, I just can't help but feel like we as a church are poised for a harvest in our lives. Like, like I really get excited about what the future of this church holds, man. I, I feel like God's got such great things ahead for us. So when I read the verse here about being compassionate and, and, and returning blessing for people that maybe you know, have stuffed you in a sleeping bag and kicked you down the stairs, it, it tells me that relationships are a blessing if you know how to make them work. I, I mean... The word relationship is one of those words that is such a broad word. I mean, how do you get specific about what, what that means? Really what the basic definition of a relationship is, is it's the ways that people connect. And I like what the writer of Ecclesiastes said, that two are better than one. That two will receive a good reward for their labor. That if they fall, one will lift up his buddy, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. And there's something powerful and dynamic about making a relationship work if you know how to do it. Now, we did just finish a series on wisdom. And I'm telling you, you need wisdom in 2023. You need wisdom in the days that we live in. The Lord put that in my heart. 
here at the beginning of the year. It's a time for wisdom. You need it for your money. You need it you know, to handle some of the problems you face in life, the, the culture we're in, and, and you really need it for relationships, like all. You need it for the relationships with your family and with your friends and the boss that you have. You, you need it for Chiefs fans that think that their team is the best team going into the Super Bowl. I mean, how are you going to handle relationships around you? Some of the greatest joys of my life have come through relationships. Man, I love my family. I love my grandma in 99 here. And I think I saw her somewhere in the building over there look, sleeping today. She's 99. That's all right. I love talking to grandma about her stories. I love my parents. I miss my dad. He passed away years ago. I love my wife. We have a great time. We get along well. I, I, I love my children, man. They are fun. And I love that they have cousins. And, and, and they could run around and play it. And there's something about that that is so fulfilling and wonderful in life. On the flip side, those same relationships have caused some of the greatest pain in people's lives. I was at the gas station the other day, the new one over off Shiloh. And I ran into a friend of mine I hadn't seen in years. So we started talking, you know, connecting. And the first thing he started telling me was how bad his divorce went. How painful it was. Bankruptcy, the pain that came with it. I mean, the difficulty. And it's like, man, on one hand, the, the relationships in our lives are such a blessing. On the other hand, if you don't know how to manage them, make them work with people, it's like, man, they can be such a source of pain. And what I love about the Bible is it teaches some fundamentals on how you're going to make things work. How can you love your neighbor even if they extend something to you that, that is difficult? Not, not exchanging reviling for reviling, but to be a blessing for them. How are you going to learn how to love people and, and forgive them and communicate with them and have some self-control? Those are relationship skills. It does remind me of what my grandma used to tell my grandpa. You know, Proverbs 17, she'd quote him. They'd be arguing, and she'd say, Kenny, the Bible says that even a fool is perceived as wise when he keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> Evidently, they knew how to make it work. Somebody needed to be quiet. <laughs> So I'm just going to highlight this morning some relational requirements that take place on the basic level, and I'm going to talk about the differences between men and women. I don't know if you knew this. There are some differences. I know the Supreme Court justices may not be able to answer that, but there are differences between men and women. And what we could say this is along the lines of relational intelligence here. What I like about the Bible is it's a how-to book. It's a how-to guide. How are you going to manage a marriage? How are you going to manage that, uh, the relationships around you? Um, you know, if, if you're married, if you're single, if you're looking, if you're not looking, you can learn something today. Now, if you are married, I would encourage you to come out with us uh, it's on Friday night here, the 10th, for our marriage date night. And we were just amazed. I mean, we got a lot of traction off of that. So Miss Linda's got it all organized and still time to sign up. And if you want to come out with us, man, we got, we're going to meet at the uh, Ribbon Shop House. Elizabeth and I argue over that one because it's not my favorite restaurant, but it's the one that works. So we're coming out. We'd love to have you join us. You can still join up for that. We'll be learning about marriage from one another and the way we behave and interact. Now, listen, I could have stayed in the series about wisdom for this one. I could have stayed teaching you about the wisdom of God when it comes to this difference because, listen, you need wisdom when it comes to members of the opposite sex. Can I get an amen, amen. on that one? All right. Now, I'm going back to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 1. Very dangerous verse. Wives, 
Likewise, be submissive. Say submissive. Say it like you mean it. Submissive. Be submissive to your husbands. I remember one time I preached this, a guy was wide-eyed. He came up later, he said, it's a dangerous verse. Be submissive to your husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word, I like how the King James puts it in such poetic prose, they without a word can be won by the conduct of their wives. Let me, let me highlight for you one of the main differences here. So the first thing you can learn about is a submissive attitude. Mm. Scary word. Greek word is hypotasso. And what this word means, and I think you got to look at it like in the context of the Bible. It's a word, when we talk about submission, what it means is that you are helping someone. It's a, it's a willingness to extend yourself over to help. It's a, you know, you're giving your services to them. And I like in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, when God made a man, he took Eve out of his side, and he called her a helpmate that was comparable to him. So there was something that God designed for a woman to be a helper in, in that marriage. And you know, th- these are such interesting verses, because that word submission, it really does trigger people. I mean, you know, people get triggered these days when they hear these words, and, and they start thinking about Cartman on South Park and respecting authority. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting old school with that reference. It's, it's like they'll think about like, you know, people that get power tripping. I know people that don't know how to handle relationships and all they know how to do is fight and they hear a word like that and it's like suddenly that just gets triggered and they start thinking about arguing with people. But you got to let the Bible interpret the Bible. And in if the book of Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul is addressing the marriage relationship, he, he says something that I, I love to talk about at weddings, Ephesians 5.33. It says that a man is to respect, or a woman is to respect her husband, and a husband is to love his wife. Love and respect, and those are two incredible words that help people get together. Now, it tells us in verse 2 that when a man sees chaste conduct accompanied by fear, and that's probably uh, an antiquated word, a better way of saying it is about respect, that men crave respect. If you want to demonstrate a submissive attitude, it, there has to be a certain level of respect that comes with it. it, it it's how to respect people, how to respect. Men are hardwired to need respect. And I, I noticed this because I see this in my, in my life. Uh, if I get triggered, if I get upset, a lot of times it's because I don't feel respected. It could be the littlest thing Elizabeth said. She didn't even mean to say anything. She wasn't thinking about it, and suddenly I start power tripping about it. I start getting upset. What did you mean by that? And it boils up in me. And a lot of times, if I'll just backtrack, I'll come back to the place where somehow I didn't quite feel respected in something she said. Not necessarily her fault. It's the way I processed it, the way I heard it. And, and so one of these differences is that men are looking for respect in, in certain seasons, certain situations. You know, submission, to submit yourself is, is a word that... Uh, can be evidenced through your conduct. It's interesting. He said that you can win a wife or win a husband over by, by your conduct, just, just without even saying a word. You know, this is the difference between men and women. Women ask a lot of questions and are way more talkative. I don't know if you thought that was a newsflash to you, but it's true. Elizabeth, if I go out to eat somewhere, Elizabeth wants to know what I had on the sandwich. What kind of cheese? What kind of fries? 
things I don't think about. Who made the, I don't know who made it. I mean, she, she's asking all kinds of questions. And, and it's like men don't ever ask that stuff, do they? They don't particularly care about it. So here's a newsflash for you, ladies. Sometimes when women talk too much, it is perceived as nagging by men. Did you know that? I'm stepping on toes here. I'm just, but I'm telling you, it, there's some fundamental differences. Men sometimes do better by saying less. And I thank God over the years, Elizabeth knows how to approach me now on something. She, you know, she will come talk to me and she'll know the moment, know the time. Hey, if you're working for a boss and he's a male, there's times when you can figure out the better time to approach a man. There's, if you just know how to read it, understand it, that men aren't always interested in talking. Sometimes it's factual. You know, I'm a headlines person. I, I like the headlines of things. I don't always read detail through stuff. It's just kind of the way that my brain is wired. And the scriptures are telling us that I'm not alone like that, that if a woman knows how to calmly approach a man and talk to him, you can go somewhere. You can see a submitted attitude also in the appearance of a person. I mean, in the passage of scripture here, he's talking about the arranging of hair and wearing of gold. And what I have discovered is that sometimes people use those things to draw attention to themselves. And in this culture, it's like one of the things that people do so much is they're, they're craving some kind of attention. And what, what we need to understand is that a secure, confident, and submitted woman doesn't have to put herself out seeking attention from somebody else. It, it, it's like when you are calm, confident, submitted in, in, to the Lord in a, in a marriage and with your attitude, it, it's like you, you don't have to be seeking attention. He, he said here that you just need to understand what a calm and quiet spirit it's pleasing in the sight of God. Now, I'm, I'm working my way through the passage of Scripture, and I came across something very interesting in the sixth verse. And it tells women that they're a daughter of Abraham if they do good, they don't have to be afraid with any terror. I, I don't know that this is the best way of communicating or translating the passage of Scripture, but the idea here is this, ladies, that your submission is not unto men. Your submission is unto the Lord. Because you're going to come across situations with, with men, with husbands, with bosses, where your loyalty to God is going to be tested. And so the idea here is, is just like what happened when Pharaoh wanted to abort all those babies in, in Exodus chapter 2. And the, the, the wives that, that were delivering the babies, they lied to the Pharaoh. They said, they, these, these Israelite women are good at giving babies, they happen so quickly, and God blessed them for honoring him. There are certain moments when your loyalty will be taken to the Lord, but he said here, he will take care of you. You don't have to be afraid. If you are submitted to the Lord, he will see to it that you're taken care of. Man, there's something about that, because you might have a husband who is not saved, and maybe he didn't want you coming to church. You might have a boss who's like, I don't think you need to work on Sundays. I've ran across these things. You, you're going to come across different relationships with people, and maybe they've got different perspectives about your giving or your generosity, and there will be moments in life, God says, if you're submitted, first of all, to him, that he will protect you in a relationship. I'm amazed, man, when, when you know how to just submit yourself to the Lord in a relationship, how he takes care of things. And, and this is how you, you make these things work. A man, a husband... Uh, a, a, a family member of yours, your son, a boss, they crave respect. This is how my sister Amanda got married to David. She knew how to 
respected. And all she would do is stuff like, man, you've got such big muscles. She didn't fight him. She just said, oh, David, you're such a burly man. (laughs) Somewhere in there, she roped him into believing that. (laughs) And he felt respected. I mean, she knew how to to work that one. So a man needs to feel respected in order for him to really, you know, know, feel like he's doing something. And that, that respect is part of this submitted attitude. Now, I, I do got to spend some time in verse 7. This is a verse that had been stirring in my spirit all week. And, and I've just been reading it. It's such a great verse. It talks then about husbands, men. You ought to dwell with your wife with understanding. Uh, and give honor to the wife. Here's where we get tricky. It calls women uh, here in this inarticulate passage uh, weaker vessels. Perhaps we could say that they're more delicate partners. Uh, as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, have a patient partner. You, you know what patience is, is your ability to uh, accept or tolerate difficulties, frustration, and delays without getting frustrated, without getting upset, without getting angry at somebody. And I find this interesting in the Bible. You know, Colossians chapter 3, it says that husbands should love their wives, and it says, and not be bitter towards them. And interesting that, that men can have this impatience, bitterness, of frustration. And as I understand what love is, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it's first of all patient. Love is patient, and it's kind. It's patient, and it's kind. Even at Christmas when we're decorating, I have to really work on that. You know, today was a great day for me to preach this because Elizabeth and I got an argument right here on the front row. And I thought, wow. Well, we stayed calm because we're in the spirit. We're spiritual. But I was thinking to myself, what a great time. I am preaching this. I have to be patient. I have to simmer down, stay calm. You know, I have an, an aunt, my Aunt Darla. She's a bit of a sage. And, and so she had this poetry line. She told me when I was little, I've never left me. And you, you might know the saying. It's, it's uh, along the lines of like this. Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Seldom found in women, but never found in men. <laughs> I thought, how true is that? I want to ask you all the questions. Why? Are men so impatient? And why, why do we get that way? Why do you get that way? I mean, I, I think a lot of the problems in my life have come because I am not patient in situations. Let, let me take it deeper. Let me keep stepping in the mud. Why do men think all bad drivers are women? They th- I mean, like, I was at McDonald's yelling at the lady to hurry. I looked in the rearview mirror. It had a mustache. It wasn't a lady. Why, why, do, why do they go impatient like that? And the first thought, it made me really question myself, think about my own impatience. This happened to me at the roundabout. I had someone that wouldn't move, and I was behind them. I was ready to have it. And I, as they went around, I saw it was a member of our church. <laughs> Maybe it's my problem. Impatience is such a funny thing, man. And, and, and men need to learn how to be patient. Now, this is a tricky verse. The, the, the verse here says, it calls women the weaker vessel. And I could tell you my story. One time I was in a car with one of my friends, and I, I popped off with this verse. I didn't think anything about it. And then I noticed that I had to put the air conditioning on. That car was getting warm. And, and I looked in the, in the mirror where she was in the back, and steam was coming out of her ear. And she reminded me what the verse meant, and she was right about it. The, a weaker vessel is not weaker in an emotional capacity. It has to do with physical strength. I mean, that is one of the differences between men and women. Uh, and, you know, it, my mom, you know, she asked me for help. 
And she, it's like mom would always have a flat tire, a tree to be planted. She needs me to do the yard. I've never yet been to a grocery store where a man has asked me to get something off a top shelf. It's usually women who will say, hey, can you help me get that? Because guys might climb up that thing. That's what I would do. So there's, they're weaker in terms of physically, but if you've got to keep it in context, it tells us that they're heirs together of the grace of life. You know, that, that's, that means that women are equal when it comes to the grace of God in their life. They're equal in salvation, in morality. They're equals when it comes to things like intellectually and their emotional capacity. And so if they're equals, why don't men listen to the advice of their wife? Can I get a louder amen from the ladies? Amen. How many? I can tell you about a avoided if I had been patient and listened to my wife. I can tell you about a dozen of them. Yeah, you go, girl. I'm learning. The older I get, the more I'm like, oh, she was right about that. Just I'm collecting the data, learning lessons. Yeah. You know, I mean, patience is a funny thing. One of the ways that we can be patient is by giving honor to a wife. Honor her. That, that's expressing appreciation. I, I, I need to express appreciation to my wife probably more. And I think you've all heard the story by now about how I got a phone call from Christians United for Israel. And they asked if Elizabeth could be on their inaugural trip for pastor's wives for an all-expenses-paid trip to Israel. And the first thing that went through my mind was, yeah, right, no way am I doing that one, man. <laughs> I don't want to be there 10 days alone with my children. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but I, appre- I appreciate Elizabeth. And, they, and so I said, yeah, yeah, she, she can go. We got it set up. You know, it's funny. I tell people I'm babysitting, and I've had so many women correct me and say, you ain't babysitting. They're your kids. Yeah. You know how you appreciate people is just by reinforcing the way they parent, uh, their cooking, appreciating them. And, and when that opportunity came up, man, I, I was like, well, maybe. Looks like uh, I'm going to need a meal train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, appreciation and, 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 and loving your wife, being patient with her, staying calm. I like Proverbs 15.1. It tells us that a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm 42. I've been married now, almost coming up on 18 years. And I have zero interest in fighting and arguing. Like, that's a young man's game. 20-year-olds love to fight. You get up here to 40, you ain't interested in fighting nobody. on that. I'm amazed at how much energy people expend fighting. I mean, it really doesn't do anything. And what it takes for me as a man is to be patient. I mean, I just have to be patient when it comes to dealing with women and things. And if I could just keep myself calm, like that attitude of patience with people, that could go a long way. You know, when we talk about um, being patient with one another, patience involves a certain level of maturity, doesn't it? Mature people are patient. But immaturity is demonstrated by your impatience for something. And this happened to me, you know, not just with children, but again, this last week with Elizabeth, she asked me to do something. I did not want to do it. I told her no three times, but she's such a nice person. So finally I had said yes, and I felt God's grace help me through that. I said, you know what? I will do that for you, and God blessed it. It just required for me to give it myself a little more. And, And that's something about how men just get so impatient that it's like they want to speed through things, do it so fast, do it on their own, and it can get you in trouble. 
what, what a woman is looking for is that sense of appreciation and love. She wants to know if a man, if a, if a, if a boss, if a husband, if a friend of hers will make some sacrifices to help her do something. That, that's, and all it takes for men is to be patient. And men can struggle with patience. And I know I'm not alone with that. So I would just encourage, as the scripture says, be understanding. Don't be bitter. Now let me give you a third nugget here of wisdom. And it's still found in this seventh verse. It tells us that your prayers are powerful. Your prayers will not be hindered if you have a submissive attitude and if you are a patient person. So I want to highlight this, this third way to make a relationship work, and it has to do with having a prayer life. Man, I'm telling you, prayer life is powerful. It is effective. It is powerful. And when we talk about prayer, what we're doing is simply asking for God's help. You know, you say, Lord, I need your help. That's, a, that's what a prayer life really is. It's his grace in your situation. And it's a funny thing because I know people who think, well, I can get this done on my own. But how many of you could use more help in your life? You know, Jesus did say, without me, you can do nothing. And I found that the more I will pray and ask for God's help, the more he helps me. And it, it works in any arena of life, man. It works in, with finances and it works with problems and or I need wisdom, I need help. It really works in relationships. Man, it, it, it's a bit of a glue that holds them together. And the scripture tells us here that your prayers are powerful and effective when two of you can come together in agreement. Man, there's something powerful about that. There's something about being in agreement, having a prayer life, that it, it just makes things so much stronger in your life. It tells us in verse 12 that the eyes of the Lord are on the eyes of the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. Man, God wants to answer your prayers. He, he, he wants to favor his people who, who cry out to him. There's another saying I've discovered. The family that prays together stays together. Now, I, I've had this experience in my life. In our home, I remember watching mom and dad pray over us and together, and I'm grateful they did because, you know, we are like in a state right now where there's some serious spiritual warfare taking place in our nation. I mean, I read the statistics that fewer and fewer people live in family units than ever before. And, and you know, it, it's just this really incredible, you know, your thing you're seeing taking place. And you got to protect your children. I, I mean, you got to be careful what they watch on YouTube, what they're watching now on Disney, you got to be careful with. And it's like everywhere around you, it's a culture adrift. And you've got to have the wisdom, the maturity to know how to handle it, know what to do. And the same thing is happening with people who are your friends. I mean, we're talking about relationships across the board. Jesus said in these last days, the love of many people is going to grow cold. And now it's like, man, people are so easily offended and thin-skinned, and they don't know how to make relationships work. And that's why you got to walk in love you got to forgive people. you got to bless them. you got to lay hands on your children and declare the blood of Jesus over them. Yes, pray for them. I mean, these are the times that we live in when you talk about how relationships are evolving, changing lives. You've got to have the Word of God over your children. You've got to know how to pray for them. You've got to know how to speak into their lives. Pray for one another. I have another question for you. Why is it that women seem to be better prayers than men? You, all, you have a prayer group who's showing up, about three to one. It, it, it's really an amazing thing. And, and you know what's funny is Scripture says 
in 1 Timothy 2 that men should pray everywhere lifting up holy hands. And I did read the commentaries in this verse. And when it says, you know, that husbands should dwell with the wife with understanding that your prayers may not be hindered, it's directed at men as the leaders of their home praying over their family. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's telling men your prayers are powerful as the leader of a home. It's encouraging men to know how to do that. But it's like women have this much easier time depending on the Lord and going to him. And, and, and sometimes men just get this independent attitude like, I can do this. And the scripture's saying, if you as a man know how to pray for your home, it will be effective. All it takes is some agreement in there. That's what prayer requires. It requires an, an, an agreement. And if you can be in agreement at home, I'm telling you, it's effective. It is powerful. It's two or three getting together. And Jesus said, if you pray that way, anything can be answered. I, I love doing that because, you know, Elizabeth and I have things that we are praying over. We're in agreement. I'm blessed to have that. Yeah. When you talk about, you know, prayer, it's, it's like that threefold cord that's not easily broken. It's a supernatural rope between you and the Holy Spirit and a spouse that really helps tie things together. It holds it together. Prayer, when you're praying together, is one of these things that's like, um, um, like, like a hedge of protection in your home. Man, my parents prayed for me. I'm glad they did. I remember driving home in high school, go drunk, going 90 miles an hour in a Ford Taurus. That is dumb. A Ford Taurus, front wheel drive, 90 miles an hour, not a good move. And where would I be if it wasn't for the grace of God and a praying mom? She prayed so much, I got in trouble with the police many times. I didn't see it then, but I see it now as the, hand, the protective hand of God. <laughs> and I warned my children. <laughs> Man, prayer is a protective barrier in your life. But maybe you're out there and you're like, well, you know, hey, my husband is not saved. I'm single. I, I don't have that agreement in a home. What are you going to do about that? And I, I would tell you, don't ever stop praying. Don't ever stop praying and pressing into the Lord. I've prayed with people praying for lost spouses and husbands ones for, for, for years and years and years, and we never stop praying. We always keep praying. Anna prayed for 84 years before she saw an answer to her prayer. Sometimes it's just warfare that you have to press through. you got to keep on praying, keep on pressing, and keep on going after it, but you should never stop. And if you think, well, I don't have a spouse, I don't have a partner, I have put an agreement. You ought to get yourself someone who can come into agreement with you, a prayer partner. I have prayer partners. I have people I can call, they're usually women, that I can say, hey, can you pray with me about this? And they'll come into agreement and pray. And it's like, man, when I know people know how to pray, you can feel answers coming. You can feel things shift. You, you, you can just sense. And it's because they know, they know how to pray. Man, a, a prayer life will change your life. If you know how to pray and come into agreement with somebody, answers exist in incredible ways. And people diminish it. They don't think it's effective. And I'm telling you, Peter said right here, your prayers will not be hindered. That means they'll be effective They'll open up doors. There's something significant about you know how to pray for the Lord to intervene in your behalf. And it, it, man, we're living in a time people forget about that. They, they will go to any other thing than to seek the Lord and know how to pray. Whether you're single, whether you're married, you know, discover about men and women, people anywhere. They want a harmonious relationship with, with, they want to be in harmony with people. They want to be at peace with all men. They do not want to be put to sleep, Meg's kicked down the stairs. That's what I've discovered. Now, I want to ask the question this morning about you, because maybe, 
maybe that's you. Maybe, you know, you're in this situation and you think, man, what, you know, am I going to do? Like, in, in this relationship I'm in, let, let me ask you some questions. Do you have a submitted attitude? I have a good friend named Carolyn, Carolyn and Ted Shuttlesworth. And I really appreciate her. She was telling Elizabeth and I that she's kind of a high-strung person. And so for the first years of her marriage, you know what she said? She said, if Ted asked me to do something, I didn't do it. I did what I wanted to do. And he's a pretty burly man. And he was kind of shocked that she was like, no, I'm going to do it this way. And it took the Lord getting a hold of her heart to say, you need to honor your husband. You need to submit to what he's asking you to do. And she said, from that point, things really, really, really got much better in their home. It's one thing to deal with, like, the extroverted, defiant attitude. It's a whole other thing when, when it's that um, passive-aggressive attitude that it's hard to detect, and it's working against you and undermining. That's a difficult thing to deal with. That's a hidden thing in the heart. And time working with the problem. Maybe that's the reason why you have a hard time in a marriage. Maybe it's the reason you have a hard time working with people who are in authority. I've met people who it's like they'll go work in a job and they might have offenses or bitterness towards a, a, a man, towards women. And as a result, that attitude carries out. They can't figure out why they don't get promoted, why they can't get ahead. And it's a little attitude in heart that what happens is it starts being destructive. You don't even know it's working. And, and I, I, as a man, I'm just telling you, I'm learning how to submit to the Lord more than I ever have. I'm asking him, God, what are ways in my life I can submit to you more? I want to bring my life under your yoke. I want to know you more. It's a relationship strategy. It's wisdom. How can I submit to the Lord more? How, how can I serve my wife more? Yeah. Or maybe it's just your attitude of patience. You, you might feel, in, like me, impatient. And that is such a mark of maturity. It's such a mark of wisdom when it comes to dealing with people. People need your patience. Because people, the best people make mistakes. And it takes you and me, if we want to make relationships work, to be patient, to extend grace. That can be easier said than done, but it's evidence that God is working in your heart. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit to be long-suffering. Yeah. And I almost called this you know, message about just prayer and patience, just being on those two things, because this could be the time for you to really get deeper in prayer. Dude, we are in such a moment in the world. Such a moment. you got to know how to pray. You might sit there and your marriage is falling apart. When's the last time you had devotions together? When's the last time you prayed for one another? Have you been pressing into God together? Or, or maybe, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, it's you praying for a spouse and a special need. It's praying for a boss, praying for uh, maybe a friend of yours who's going through something, knowing how to pray. I'm telling you, prayer is so effective, so powerful. It makes relationships work. It's how you come together with things. And I, I just felt like, you know, if we'll be that people who know how to submit to one another, that's Ephesians 5.21, that knows how to be patient with one another, that knows how to pray for one another, man, it's amazing what you can see take place. Yeah. How many feel like you want to grow this year in your relationships? I'm spending the next few weeks here highlighting how to grow them. Because it's like, man, right now people do not know how to make them work. It's very, it's very sad. So, Lord, I just thank you this morning. Mmm. I pray the, the peace of God over storms. I pray, Lord, mm, for attitudes that would grow and submit themselves. I pray for that right, healthy, whole attitude. God, grow us. Grow us, grow us, grow us.
rub off, uh, rub off difficult edges, make rough places smooth in our lives. I thank you, Lord, for the grace of God to run, the grace of God to stay strong, the grace of God to go after, press in ahead of you. I pray, Lord, I pray. Mm, I pray for oh, peace and patience, the fruit of the Holy Spirit to manifest in this church, in people's relationships, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, mercy, self-control. I pray it over the people of God in the name of Jesus. You know, it's amazing in the scripture that uh, the Bible teaches that marriage is like a picture of, of Jesus to his church. Like we're married to Jesus. And that's why we're called the bride of Christ because he's the husbandman. And I don't know, maybe you've never been married to him. Maybe, maybe you have a rebellious tendency in your ways and you haven't fully submitted yourself to the Lord. And man, you have every opportunity. This is a moment right now to get in that right relationship with Jesus, a marriage that he paid for with his blood. It's a blood covenant. That's what marriage is. It's a covenant. That's what Christianity is. It's a covenant. I'm going to come in covenant with God. He's going to watch out over me. And maybe this morning that's you. If I, if I could get every head bowed, every eye closed, and you say, I'm not right. There's a rebelliousness in my heart. And, and I want to submit to the Lord. I want to enter into that marriage. And I want to be washed white as snow. This is your moment. Just put a hand up. We'll pray with you. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah. I see that hand. So if that's you this morning, I want you to do something. I want you to just say, Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Wash me clean as snow. I love you. And I receive your love for me. And I want to be married to you. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that and you're sincere, you're entering into a relationship with him that is so powerful, he'll watch out over you. He will take care of you. And there's something so beautiful about that marriage picture. I, I do feel the grace of the Lord here this morning. And I, I have to just make an announcement here. Uh, I'm flying out right after the service to go to Washington, D.C. Uh, I've been asked to by the Family Research Council. I'm having dinner tomorrow night with, with members of the Congress in, in Capitol Hill, like in that, in that Capitol building. I've never been there. I'm looking forward to that. The doors have come open for that, so I'm going to do my best to influence those knuckleheads for the glory of the Lord. People like them need to be influenced, right? So uh, I, I'm curious to see where that you know, relationship will take us and, and what happens. I've met many of the representatives here from our state, but I'm, I'm just looking forward to see what that'll do. So I'm, I'm taking off right after the service, but I do got to highlight something, man. We, this is our third week in a row of impromptu baptisms. Now, last week, we had a dear, precious woman of God drove herself all the way down here from Bozeman, and she got here late because the roads were horrible. But that woman of God came back this week. Where's Aniko back there? So put a hand up. Say, now, this lady is on fire for God, all right? So if you, you got to catch her after the service. Say, we, I mean, someone who comes from Bozeman to get baptized, dude, I'm telling you, they are hungry for the things of God. And, and there's something about that that is so precious. And then today we're going to baptize my boy Guthrie back over here. And he, he saw baptism back there. So Facebook, and he said, I got to get baptized. And I said, come on out, man. We got a nice warm hot tub back there. So Pastor Daniel is going to do that uh, and get back there and get baptized. And, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to that. And Nico, I was praying for you this week and last week. And when I was praying, I, I heard, this verse came to me about inheriting a blessing. And I think you already know this, but I believe that God is going, you have been blessed to be a blessing. You know that, don't you? Yeah. And, and 
I feel the Holy Spirit. Put your hands out towards this woman. Lord, I just thank you that nothing's going to stand in the way of the destiny you have ahead of her. Oh, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that the blessing and the favor of the Lord is coming to her head to toe, every direction. Lord, I thank you for opening up doors and wisdom and favor. And God, I thank you you're increasing even that fire, that desire, that hunger for you. Thank you for the gifts and talents you've given her. They are going to come to fullness. Lord, you're about to step into some really, really great things ahead of you. Uh, the wisdom of God, the blessing of the Lord that he's called you to do. You're going to be impactful for people in Jesus' name. Mm. Mm. Whew, man, I feel the Lord here. Amen, amen. Let's stand up this morning. It's great to be in the house, Lord. If you want prayer, man, these altars are open. If you need prayer in a marriage, if you want to pray for someone who's unsaved, we're here to pray with you. We're going to get these people baptized here as well. So I love you very much. I got to take off on the plane. Pray for me in Washington, D.C. We love you all. We'll catch you all next week. Amen? Amen. Amen.
imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun I can only imagine when all I would do is forever forever worship you forever forever worship you I can only imagine 
Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. 